Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 26 Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Brittany Tony, and alongside me, as always, is TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, brother? What's going on? Oh, you know, get through this week. Hounded in that essay this week, so my weekend is free, and it feels good. Fantastic. Oh, dear. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm so relieved that that thing's done. Reminds me of when I was a kid. Obviously, you're working on an assignment for your classes, but when you get your homework done, you kind of just have some time for yourself, or you don't kind of have to worry about it till you go to class again. It's just, oh hell yeah! It's, it's a very small but like freeing feeling. It's it's just something unlike anything else you can feel. It's the the deadlines for Tuesday. I gave my, myself the cutoff point for yesterday. I was like, you know, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to get it in early. I'm going to have, you know, been working on it. So sweet. I basically was like, okay, I'm going to work on it all Thursday. Stuff happened on Thursday. I was like, no, nah, I think I'll just, I think I'll just take, I'll take Thursday off. <laughs> I went into it on Friday, woke up early, got it in, got it done, sat down and had a drink. Fantastic. Like, I'm done. Spent. That reminded me very much of when I was going to university and I was working 40 plus hours and had to be almost hyper regimented where all right, I have work from this time to this time. I have three or four hours. I can just work on assignments and, and papers and then I have class and then type of thing. So I ended up basically having one day off a month, but I had I just ended up getting so focused that I worked on all my assignments and got them done early, which I needed to, to leave myself some stretch time. So, Yeah, at least you had that one, like, at least you left yourself that one day off. Between all classes and all that work, it was, I just, you need that flex day to just, you know what, I can I take it if I need it. You need to breathe at some point. Yeah. That's the problem. Like some people just don't give themselves enough time to breathe. Yeah, uh, that's the hustle that we have to do when we work. And we have to survive and, and also trying to better ourselves through learning and trying to make things better for ourselves and for others, much like Papa H is trying to do with introducing some new and exciting... That was one hell of a segue. Thank you, I try, I try. Some new <laughs> returns and themes... And surprises coming up for the next couple of pay-per-views. So we appreciate that. And I hope uh, I hope your assignment goes well. You you built that off ramp into that into that next oh, that was so so beautiful, PT. I loved it. Good job. I try. I've been been at this for a little bit in addition to this <laughs> show, and I've done some hosting work before. So I try to make it as smooth. It's not always buttery smooth, but you try to do the best you can with what you got. Fair, fair, fair. All right. Appreciate everybody coming along on this journey with us as well. And as a reminder, you can find us in a video form at youtube.com slash Council and an audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at an in-depth look at ball games. 
So, coming up. All right, War Games itself. So this is now coming up on, if you're listening to this early or on day one, we have the War Games matchup coming up at Survivor Series for the first time on WWE proper, a War Games match. For War Games itself, Joker, is it something that you are relatively familiar with? I know for some of our listeners and, and, and viewers, it might be something they have are familiar with, might have heard of, or just might be brand new. So what about, what are you, what's your familiarity with War Games? So my personal experience with war games because i didn't watch an awful lot of anything else in the uh, early 90s was uh nxt uh just the war games from the uh from there was pretty much my first uh sort of exposure to them i know for some people you're probably sitting there going what it's like i never watched wcw okay calm down um it was just one of those things that uh, obviously, whenever they brought them over uh, in the great uh, the great buyout, um, it never got on our TV screen. So whenever it was on uh, NXT, the black and gold, when I was watching that, I uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a super cool concept. I was very surprised as to why they never uh, uh, why they never brought it out as something that could have been part of a pay per view. If I may ask just a quick aside, was it something that you had availability to a WCW product in the UK in the 90s? Was that something that was available? Oh no, it was just on way too late. And whenever, you know, you're a kid uh and you're trying to uh get the access to the skybox and your dad's in there or your mom's in there and they're like uh, no, I'm watching Coronation Street, or I'm watching reruns of The Bill, or, you know, I don't know what they were watching at that time. I was stupid young, and now I can't remember what was actually on, because neither of the sh- those shows were on at that time. But anyway, they were watching TV. Um, and I think it was on... Thunder was maybe on at like 10pm, 11pm. There might have been reruns early Saturday mornings. Um... But Nitro was on super late. I know some of my friends were able to watch it, but I was just not one of those kids that was able to. Fair enough. I know I chatted with a, a few folks for that are not in the U.S. or not from North America, and they stated that they occasionally got it, but it may have been on a different day or at a late hour, for example. So it was very limited to uh, to some folks outside of the continental United States. So that would make sense for sure. But for those that aren't familiar with war games, I have a little segment I'd like to call a brief deep dive into war games. Created by Dusty Rhodes in 1987, the war games match was originally used in Jim Crockett promotions of the National Wrestling Alliance and later held annually in World Championship Wrestling usually at the Fall Brawl pay-per-view event. These original War Games matches had a roof on the cage with no pinfall as a win stipulation, although later WCW versions allowed pinfalls to win. 
Since 2017, WWE, which purchased the assets of WCW in 2001, has held the annual War Games match at War Games branded events. WWE's War Games matches do not have a roof in the cage and also allow pinfalls as a win stipulation. WWE would also hold the first ever women's version of the match in 2019. The War Games match was created when Dusty Rhodes was inspired by a viewing of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. It was originally used as a speciality match for the Four Horsemen. The first War Games match took place at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, during the National Wrestling Alliance's Jim Crockett Promotions Great American Bash 1987 tour, which was known as War Games The Match Beyond. The first 17 War Games matches took place during the summer months of 1987, 88, 89, and 1991 taking place mostly at house show events. Not exclusively pitting the Four Horsemen against a collective of opponents, we'd see the likes of the Road Warriors, Dusty Rhodes, Lex Luger, and Sting, amongst others, participate. Beginning in 1993, we'd see the titular match take place at WCW's Fall Brawl pay-per-view. Beginning in 2017, the WWE revived the War Games concept in NXT. Much like the Four Horsemen, the Undisputed Era were featured in each match through 2020. As previously mentioned, in 2019, the first women's War Games match took place. And in 2022, the War Games makes its WWE debut at Survivor Series. So quite the history of the War Games matchup, inspired again by Dusty Rhodes after seeing the third Mad Max film, Beyond Thunderdome, which featured a, if I'm not mistaken, electrified cage with warriors battling it out in there and took the concept and thought to himself it'd be quite a spectacle for fans to view if we had Competitors locked in a cage and they had to battle it out in a similar manner. So that's sort of where it originated from. And before mentioned that the Four Horsemen, it was a vehicle for them to be pitted against Dusty Rhodes and some allies, most notably the Road Warriors who were in the first uh, 13 or so. That They have the most appearances at 13 for sure. And then you had the likes of Sting and Luger and other folks, so quite the, quite the interesting spectacle War Games was. I mean, it's the scene, like, War Games is a really big spectacle. Like, if we consider the, the type of the match uh, that we have seen recently, where we have individuals start outside the ring, and then the match doesn't exactly start until that last person is in the ring. Like that's a lot of a lot of nice uh, story narrative drama that you can kind of bring into. It's like oh, oh dear, it's like the heels are getting the the upper hand in this because they've got the one extra. The baby faces are coming back because they've even the odds. And you know, you you perfectly build this sort of comeback narrative for the babyface side. You, you give this um, man advantage for the haters to 
sort of uh, prey upon. It's actually really, really fun from a narrative standpoint on the outside looking in, uh, and it just lends itself to a really cool uh, match type. Yeah, for sure. It's one of the few times that you ended up seeing two rings side by side. Obviously, traditionally, you'd have one ring set up at an event. To have a cage match, which is a very special attraction, a match, but to have a cage that covered two rings, a double cage, to have a roof on it, it was definitely something from a visual standpoint was very, very different from we had the WWF and then the WWF subsequently, who more traditionally around that time, if they had a gimmick match, for example, they had a cage match they would use at the time the metal bard, which was usually blue at that timed cage. So it was distinctively different from the WWF's product, for sure. So something like that, you would end up seeing the competitors stand outside of the War Games cages, kind of waiting their turn. The aforementioned storytelling aspect of usually the heel team would get the advantage so you can beat down the babyface. You know, then the second competitor for the babyface team would come in and you get that roar of the crowd because they want the support and you kind of go this back and forth. To your point, it had a phenomenal, just wonderful storytelling element to it. Yeah, it's definitely something that I really enjoyed looking. Because uh, like I said, it was NXT that was sort of the uh, the most prominent uh, way I that, that I was introduced to it. Um, and uh, it also added that extra little bit of storytelling who was in those cages and then um, really lent itself to uh, betrayal angles, um, little nuances here. My, my favorite and probably one of the more notable from NXT was Dakota Kai turning on Tegan Knox in the cage uh, during one of the, uh, one of the women's um, war games and honestly that was just super good uh i was so like i they caught everyone off guard that it happened uh the two friends and then obviously you know the the turn and then obviously that lent itself to well how are they gonna do this without dakota and tegan in the ring you know so uh, it was it was it does it lends itself really cool to a narrative thread um to see who is going to come out on top because this structure is pretty much uh like the other other cages other cage matches it's unforgiving flesh on steel is you know it still wins that's correct we've seen throughout the years a number of folks being injured i think to myself one of the more prominent early injuries is we had jj dillon who's the manager of the four horsemen ended up having a separated shoulder We've had folks that have had a number of injuries. Uh, Brian Pillman was almost seriously injured by Sid in a War Games match. We've had folks that are lacerated. There's just, it's one of those things that you have to be careful in how it is, especially the older style ones with had a roof, so you can't quite go off the top rope or the middle rope, Brett's rope. You can't quite do power slams or power bombs and things like such because of the the roof was, especially for those taller guys like Sid or a Kevin Nash, 
they're maybe a foot, maybe a foot and a half above their head. So you don't have much clearance. So it's very challenging to ending up, yeah, to trying to figure out how to how to wrestle, how to do some spots with him. It definitely, in my opinion, then was uh, obviously because I wasn't used to the the whole uh, roof on the cage. Um, I did like the WWE's version uh, with um, without the roof because it lent itself to some really big spots again. Uh, you know, Champa coming off the top, a really, really fun spot with Eo Sky putting the bin on her head, jumping off the top. Uh, you know, not being limited because of the roof, I think is really good. But if we flip that on its head, then we go to why why have the roof? It's like, well, you know, you also have the whole thing with uh, Blood and Guts, a W's version, where we saw most recently with the uh, really stunning visual of. Um, Eddie Kingston trying to tap out Chris Jericho on top of the uh, on top of the cage, and everybody was just like on jelly legs and couldn't do it, and um, tacks in the tacks in the feet and uh, slipping on top, and just like yeah, it's really really dangerous up there. I have no idea why they're doing this. Yeah, it's a great point. As we've seen, as you mentioned with AEW. War Games has been a very, very important match that has been often imitated or emulated in different things. So as an example, as part two of our brief history of War Games, we have variations of the titular match. In 1998, WCW featured three teams rather than two, for Team WCW, Team Hollywood, NWO, and Team Wolfpack, NWO, for the number one contendership for the WCW World Heavyweight title. In 2002, in WCW, we saw a new format called War Games 2000 with the tagline Russo's Revenge. It was held on September 4th, 2000 episode of WCW Nitro. The match consisted of two teams vying for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship in a three-tiered cage, first seen in the climax of the WCW-produced film Ready to Rumble. Kevin Nash retained the WCW World Championship. AEW utilized a similar concept for Blood and Guts on May 5th's 2021's episode of Dynamite where we saw the pinnacle defeat the inner circle. ECW had a version of War Games known as an Ultimate Jeopardy Steel Cage match. The match is conducted in a similar manner to War Games with victory by submission, pinfall, knockout, or surrender, but with weapons provided and stipulation penalties for the losing team. The first Ultimate Jeopardy match was held at Ultimate Jeopardy 1994 and pitted Shane Douglas, Mr. Hughes, and the Public Enemy and a team of Terry Funk, Road Warrior Hawk, Kevin Sullivan, and the Tasmaniac for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. In December 2005, Ring of Honor had the first Steel Cage Warfare match. It was used to settle a year-long feud between Generation Next and their former leader Alex Shelley, who is now with The Embassy. And finally here, Impact Wrestling, then known as NWA Total Nonstop Action, 
have their own variation of the War Games match known as the Wednesday Bloody Wednesday Steel Cage match. The single ring was surrounded by a large single steel cage with poles attached to the ring posts, measured about five to six feet above the turnbuckles, with chains wrapped from the hanging on, on the poles to various points on the ring itself, with many weapons hanging from it, and attached to steel chairs above itself, but followed the rules of war games in that two wrestlers from both teams would start, and after 90 seconds, another wrestler would enter. The only way to win is by pinfall or submission. The first and only Wednesday Bloody Wednesday steel cage match was conducted on September 3rd, 2003, between a team of AJ Styles, Shane Douglas, Christopher Daniels, Simon Diamond, and Johnny Swinger, and a team of Jeff Jarrett, Raven, D'Lo Brown, Chris Harris, and James Storm. So as we've seen the importance and the impact, no pun intended, of the War Games match, we've seen it emulated and we've seen variations throughout the years in WCW and in the likes of AEW, ECW, Ring of Honor, and Impact, just to name a few amongst others. But we can see the appeal and we can see sort of the success of the War Games match that folks wanted to see. And, and we've had other promotions have matches that would emulate it to varying degrees of success. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot of emulation there from, uh, from other companies. I didn't realize there was so many companies decided to take on. Uh, I think the only one that I was aware of was not a variation, but an imitation slash reimagination was the Elimination Chamber, of course, by WWE, who Vince didn't want the double ring, but he was okay with an oversized cage. Didn't really make much sense to me, but, you know, it, it was still a really cool concept um to be inspired by the uh the war games um sort of double ring aspect um that's the most famous one that i'm aware of but for so many companies to emulate what you did like that just goes to show that this double cage concept the two ring uh the two ring two team sort of staggered entrance uh match type Regardless of whether or not you're using weapons, uh, for if it's for titles, if it's not uh, submissions only, or for pinfalls being counted, you know, it's a really cool match type that, you know, it can it can only lend to the imagination of some wrestlers uh, who can uh, work within the confines of these cages. Oh, 100 percent. Those were just a few of the pieces that I handpick, one of the more prominent ones. Other places like MLW, for example, have used a, a variation and other territories have as well. So just highlighting a handful, yes. But the concept, a lot of credit has to go to Dusty Rhodes for taking and seeing inspiration from the Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome piece and, and keeping it. He could have gone significantly more complicated, but you have the elements there. We have a double cage, which is unique. Excuse me, a double ring, which is unique. A cage match concept with a roof, which is another unique element that you don't see quite often. The fact that it's a double 
cage, ring cage match there. The nature of the staggered entrances, much like folks get excited for in a Royal Rumble setting, that you have this anticipation for if the competitors are out there, who's going to go, or if it's unknown, who's going to come out next. The nature originally of it being by submission or surrender, so there were no pinfalls originally, no disqualifications, obviously no count out because you can't get outside, but a little bit different twist on it was just very, very engaging. And to your point about it being inspiration inspired, the nature of the Elimination Chamber, which debuted at 2002's Survivor Series in Madison Square Garden, which I got a chance to go to, which is fantastic. The nature of, like you said, the old story goes, Triple H brought the idea to Vince about whatever you think about the War Games concept, and the old adage went, well, two rings would take up more space at ringside, ergo less tickets and more, and less uh, fans being air, so less money being made, so they kind of came up with their own concept, which ended up flushing out into the Elimination Chamber, so took elements of the cage concept of the staggered entrances and put a little bit of the wwe slash f spin on it but yeah i think like we had mentioned before and we're seeing it has quite the inspiration in the world of wrestling yeah i i think that um death, death day is uh is just uh every time i say his name i have to say it like that i don't know why i'm an idiot um but he he's just come up with one of the one of the greatest match concepts designs. Uh, himself and Pat Patterson uh, have made two of the most iconic match types. Pat coming up with the Royal Rumble, him coming up with this War Games. It's like you know, boys just knocked it out of the park with their uh, with iconic match types. It was it's a wee bit. I'm a wee bit uh, annoyed that we never really got to see it earlier in the WWE because obviously with purchase of wcw they got those rights um so it's funny hearing vince said less seats means less money and then they're darkening you know for part of their uh for part of their uh run through the 2010s they were darkening arenas because no one was sitting there mm. uh people clearly weren't lining up to buy their seats eventually but i i can see his point uh, you know, less less tickets uh, being sold, but it it just would have meant that you probably would have done more in pay per view draws. Like, surely, it's definitely a risk versus a reward piece. Dusty Rhodes has come up with the titular match that we're speaking of. War Games have also come up with an, quite a number of other ideas as well. And you mentioned Pat Patterson with coming up of the notion of the Royal Rumble. Sometimes you get a home run, sometimes you got a miss, but in these two instances, you had really great concepts executed reasonably well, and folks were excited about it. So I think with that, you just, you roll and you take the uh, chance and see kind of where it goes. And at least for the NWA, more specifically Jim Crockett, Jim Crockett Promotions, we saw War Games become a success, specifically on the house show tour for the great american bash tours during the summer months of the late 80s and we saw it transition into a pay-per-view and it was one of those where definitely for the earlier portions folks were definitely looking forward to seeing war games 
Well, I am looking forward to Survivor Series, which is something I have not said for a long time. Speaking of which, fantastic transition there. We see the first of the War Games matchups here. We're going to take a look at the Women's War Games match this year, which is pitting Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Mia Yim, and a to-be-determined at the moment against damage control of Bailey, Dakota Kai, Eosky, Nikki Cross, as well as Rhea Ripley. So as before mentioned, in 2019, we got to see our first War Games match featuring all women. And subsequently, now we're bringing that as well onto the main roster proper. So this one is quite the interesting matchup. A little bit of insight has been brewing since about SummerSlam, where we saw the reintroduction and the return of Bayley alongside Io Sky as well as Dakota Kai confronting Bianca Belair after her match with Becky. And then we've seen them have some turmoil. We've seen the alliance of Alexa Bliss and Asuka come to Bianca's side. And we've seen the wars through then, most notably the women's tag team championship coming into play as well. Uh, now sitting on Dakota Kai and Io Sky, which they ended up passing back and forth, most notably at Crown Jewel this past month. But we're seeing the introductions of Nikki Cross come into play. Rhea Ripley has joined the fight on the heel side. Mia Yim coming in to neutralize the Rhea problem, quote-unquote. So we're seeing a lot of different elements kind of come into play. So first off, Joker, what's your impressions of the collective of the, of the women here for these teams? I love each and every single one of the individuals in this match. Uh, I think so far we have knocked it out of the park with the selections. I think damage control is, in my estimation, and this is just personal personal dislike of uh, what's going on, uh, in my estimation, damage control has went from, you know, pretty, pretty far up, you know, really, really good, pop, 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 to being tanked. I really, really like Bailey. I think she is fantastic. I think Dakota and Io then being brought back uh, to the company uh, or brought up in Io's case uh, from NXT um, was an inspired call. Uh, definitely time for them to be there. Um, and uh, I've, I've loved them since they came back. I love Dakota's sort of fidgety, crazy, psycho uh character that she's sort of weaving in here um it, it's it's really it's really nice to see eo is just this really badass sort of um aerial ace like she's fantastic she every single time uh i see her on the screen it's just absolutely great and then you have bailey who has just shown how amazing she is uh nikki cross return to sanity nikki uh which i love to see i didn't really like bubbly friendly Alexa Alexa Bliss's sidekick Nikki. Uh, didn't like Nikki Ash. Didn't like the coherent Nikki. I'm I'm glad we're kind of back to uh, a character that uh, can garner some uh, can garner some heat, can garner some traction. Hopefully, 
And then Rhea Ripley. That's kind of all you need to say about her. She's fantastic. Um, as for the other side, as I'm dubbing them Team Megazord, uh, because if Bianca Belair does not become the Megazord and just 1v5 this thing, I am going to riot. Uh, she has the John Cena plot armor booking, um, which I am very heated about right now. I know PT is sick of me complaining about it and probably wished I never mentioned it right now. But she has this John Cena plot armor booking uh, that Bailey is kind of experiencing and, and sort of taking it on the chin. Uh, Alexa Bliss sort of uh, unfortunately is in limbo. Like, we don't know if she's going away with Bray. We don't know if she's meant to be doing anything else with Asuka. Uh, Leave it up in the air for her. And then you've got Asuka, like just mentioned. Um, fantastic. Uh, maybe whenever she came back, she was a bit overused. I think we've mentioned that before. But I've liked seeing her interactions with Eo. I can't wait for that 1v1 feud to sort of uh, bubble over and, uh, and sort of be on the screens all the time as well. And then uh, Michin, um, Mia Yim just uh, coming in to solve the, the Rhea problem. I really hope they make her look like she is capable of solving this Rhea problem. I do not want them to say that she's going to solve this Rhea problem and then for Bianca to do it. Because if they do that and we don't have Megazord Bianca Belair appear and she just for some reason solves the Rhea problem, what's the point of Mia Yim? You know what I mean? And then we have the two be determined who I have a personal preference. Uh, uh, towards uh, Tegan Knox uh, coming in. Um, I know that you have your own ideas as to who it could be. I know there are more logical reasons for other people to be there, but my personal choice is Tegan Knox, um, which would be an amazing sort of pop uh, pop Joker section. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that this is a recipe for being able to way outshine the bloodline. And I kind of want this one as the main event. I'm not going to lie. I want this show, I want this match to end the night. As I look at the competitors here, I think there's a fantastic collective of, we have some powerhouses, we have some very athletic, we have some aerialists that are going to add for a really, really fun and interactive match for sure. And you have a lot of different stories going on. It's a, Good piece to have as well. There's a handful of the of the women here that have had experience in a war games match. We have Bianca has been in a match before. We have EO Sky, Rhea Ripley as well. So we have a couple ladies who can have the experience, and then some of the women that are new to the concept but can definitely kind of hold their own. So it should be very, very interesting on in kind of how they parlay. Now, we've seen the nature of, you mentioned a couple different things of the story kind of tracking back to SummerSlam with the introduction of damage control. So we have the, you know, combatants of the Bailey Dakota Kai EO piece getting going up against Bianca and then her aligning with Alexa and Asuka. The addition of Rhea as well, where we're having the judgment day and sort of this oc piece being kind of brought in so the the women can kind of have their moment to shine 
within kind of continuing that particular storyline, but having it in the context and the confines of the War Games speech. So I, to your point, I would definitely like to see some spot between Mia Yim and Ripley, because obviously the story is with them. I feel that we'll have a bit of it, but we maybe won't have the entirety because we need to still continue to have the finishing touches of the blood, excuse me, the Judgment Day and the OCP. So. Oh, yeah. No, 100% I agree. Like, it's not going to be dominating. I just don't want Bianca to come in here and go, this is my time. I will deal with Rhea. I want at least the the chance for Mia Yim, having just recently returned, to come in have a big spot that actually gets caught on camera this time and take out Rhea Ripley for a bit, you know, have an actual back and forth with her. And then, yes, obviously go back to the whole main storyline of who it is. Because uh, I said to you before, like off off camera, like I don't see the point in having these two ladies in this because I would prefer to see them in a 1v1 situation. I don't really care for them to be part of this. But now that they're in there, I this is what I need to see. Like I need to see Mia take on Rhea and for it to mean something. I'm hundred percent in agreeance. I would also yeah, I, I would like for the kind of the focus of the combatants for Mia and Ripley. To your point about the Bianca Belair, she's been booked phenomenally strong and she has a little bit of that scene of plot armor, like you'd mentioned as well, being sort of dominating her opponents and not even looking vulnerable really let alone just losing at all she's been winning but yeah it's one of those things where i have kind of in my mind sort of that quick fantasy booking piece of they'll kind of be i can see the the face team being down and then having a uh, a five moves of doom piece for bianca so i can kind of see that her running wild type of thing but I definitely want to see some parody and the the women will pair off and, and kind of flush out their little individual feuds. But yeah, I am kind of looking forward to this match for sure. It should be definitely a just a fun match again. Powerhouses, we've got some aerialists, we've got some very, very athletic women here who can just kind of pull off some fun spots and it should definitely be a very, very fun one to watch. Yeah, I know that they've got the commentary team sorted to be Michael Cole and Corey Graves for all their pay-per-views to kind of keep parity and stuff. And to that point, I'm really glad it's not Wade Barrett on there with Michael Cole, because if he is on there and he sees Bianca hit the five moves of Doom, he might have PTSD back to whenever he lost to John Cena as the as part of the Nexus. But like, this is, this is exactly how Cena did it. Like, he's just 1v5-ing, like, what do we do? How do we stop this monster? So I, I'm I'm very glad that uh, Poppy H is thinking of uh, Wade Barrett before he puts him out there, and just just to experience that sort of traumatic event. Um, I, I have nothing against Bianca being uh, booked strong. I have a problem whenever she's booked strong against the same people over and over and over again on the shows she's booked to lose in a numbers game and then on the pay-per-view she wins the numbers game and it's just by herself like she took out she in at crown jewel she took out both dakota and eo um it looked awkward but she gave the double kod to dakota and eo it looked awkward as all heck uh and then one against uh bailey 
but I just kind of, mm, I wasn't a fan of the, the ending of the match. The match up till that point, fantastic. Both of them were great. Bianca looked really good. And then the end happened. And I was just like, John Cena all over again. Um, so hopefully I don't see uh, this whole thing. I, I just, this is, this is my hope. My hope is her team rescues her and she can do this stuff because that's how she's meant to be. But I don't want her to overpower the entire squad by herself. That's my one gripe that if it happens, it will instantly tar this match with a uh, with a brush that I just cannot unsee that one singular point. So they have to be really careful that they do not mess this up uh, for me personally, just because they want to make Bianca look strong. You have to remember there's nine other ladies in there who are all amazing in their own right. and They all need to be given their own shine. I'm in agreement. It's one of those things that for the longtime watchers and listeners of the show, we have we definitely want strong storylines for the guys and gals. And it's one of those things that we've been noting that AEW has faces cha- has faced challenges of booking their women's division. And where I'm going with this is we definitely want strong storylines and strong booking again for the guys and gals, but I like the nature of having having these ladies book strong. For example, Bianca, it's phenomenal. It's one of those things that I I don't disagree with it. I think, you know, she's a phenomenal athlete. She carries herself amazingly well. Wonderful role model for the for the young uh boys and girls for sure. And to see representation is fantastic. My only fear would be that if we if we push her a little too strong, then we might have potentially a section of the fans that might turn against her a little bit, but I I never want to see that happen. I wish all the success for Bianca and every every woman in this matchup as well. So we just we'll see how the things play out. I think Papa H does these little these little things within matches to help kind of book and kind of further storylines or plant seeds. So I think he he's been doing a better job than what we've seen before and especially under previous leadership. So regardless, I think this one will like I'd mentioned will be another phenomenal matchup. Oh yeah, 100% agree. Like uh I I just the only thing that I have not liked about Bianca's reign so far is the last few months have been at the expense of one individual. Um it's this it's the same booking that I did not like for Roman. Um it's the same booking I don't like for anyone. If you're fighting against the same team, like the Usos were fighting against uh, the Street Profits for how many pay-per-views in a row. Like it was just, it it wasn't the fact that they weren't putting on bangers and matches because they were, because they're all amazing competitors. But it got stale, the fact that, you know, come on, there was nothing new happening. And that's what I need to see. I need to see something new. I need to see the story develop. I need to see the character develop she is the roughest the toughest the strongest the best like she is the est of wwe and i will never ever ever hear anyone take that away from her because she is fantastic but put her against someone new take bailey out of her line of sight 
and then have her defend that title against somebody else. Once that feud's done, then move her along. Maybe put her in a couple of quick feuds. You know what I mean? Because this one just reiterated the fact that whoever comes out as the number five for her team is not really going to be doing much on her team because she is there. Like, I just kind of want somebody to come out and threaten for her championship at this point. I don't want to want them to take it from her, but I want them to threaten. And you can't threaten someone who is booked to be prime John Cena, big match John, always defends, always wins. You can't, you can't win against that person. That's a good point. So speaking of the fifth member of uh, the Bianca Belair's team, if you're listening to this on day one, we'll have our guesses at the moment. But if you're watching this sort of post-Raw, it may already be announced. But you mentioned a Tegan Knox, which I really, really like. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of for that. So you, you have that guess. Would there be anybody else that you may think it could be? I mean, my my sort of obvious choice is uh, um, is uh, Mrs. Mrs. Wrestling. You know, Poison Pixie. Uh, why is the name escaping me? Candice right LeRae. Candice LeRae. I had it before we started, and yeah, I forgot it. So my 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 current obvious choice is Candice LeRae. Uh, my tugging on the heartstrings of comparing comparing these characters because. I like to face these characters off against each other. You've got Michin and Rhea. You've got Io and Asuka. You've got Nikki and Alexa. You've got Bianca and Bailey. Dakota's kind of that hanger on. Who do you have? Like I mentioned earlier on, my really fun point of Dakota turning on Tegan. This is War Games match. We've got Tegan Knox. There's rumors of Papa H wanting her. They're not founded in anything. Um, so Tegan Knox coming back. Being the fifth member, it would just make me smile. It would make me happy. Um, and like I said, you can't really bring bring anyone back that's huge because you can't overshadow Bianca Belair, nor should you try. Um, I just think that that is my personal two picks. One logical, one's just a pipe dream. I'll have to wait until Monday to see or Tuesday for me. That's really really good point. I like the notion of a, a long term booking to have Tegan counteract. Dakota Kai. I really, really like that. It would call back. It could be something that fits perfectly within if if the Indeed does debut and is announced on Raw. My only fear is that folks like you and I would be really, really excited for a Tegan Knox return. My fear would be it wouldn't be an overwhelming return if it happened at the pay-per-view. That would be my mm. only concern. I mean, I I don't disagree, but then we have like the whole thing would probably be the case of she was only an NXT star, right? We go back to SummerSlam, Dakota and Io got resounding pops, like they were essentially only NXT stars. Dakota was on there for less time than it took for a kettle to boil to make that hot cup of coffee for her to be around for, so she wasn't even there, and then she was gone. Um, but both her and Io got a, got a huge pop. I don't think, I would like to think rather, that she would be received warmly. 
I think that she would get a pop that uh, would be adequate for someone of her uh, of her stature, i.e. she hasn't been in the company for a while. People, yes, will not remember who she is. Tegan Knox comes out. I think the, the music will pop. No one will know who the heck it is. The name will flash on the Tron, Tegan Knox, and then everybody will you know, lose their minds, and then you'll have those people who don't. That's how I see it. Because you know, I have to, I have to uh, book that stuff because you know I am the fantasy booker man um, of of the show. So that, that's how I personally see it. But I do understand from your point of view because she hasn't been there for a hot minute. Uh, she was on the NXT. She kind of brought, got brought. Uh, you know, her tag partner got brought up to WWE, and she got let out to the main roster. She got left behind in Shotzi. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I can see it. I'm choosing to ignore it. If uh, you know, if, if Vince can do it for a long time with the crowd numbers, I can do it with this. I'm definitely a fan of Tegan Ox, and I would love to see from a parody piece. I think it would be a wonderful addition to the team. Who I had notions for myself, you mentioned Candice LeRae, would make the most sense. Already on the roster, has been aligned in the past with Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka, so... M- Seems like the smoothest shoe in for that one, and I'm and totally okay with it. She has War Games experience, uh, has been in two matches, has won, been on the winning end twice as well. So that's a fantastic pick as well. Who else? It could be possible Beth Phoenix because we had the nature of Rhea kind of poking the bear with the Edge matchup at the. Not Crown Jewel, but the pay-per-view right before. I think it was Extreme Rules, if I'm not mistaken. We had the the matchup there and had the interaction. And then at Crown Jewel itself, she had her hair done up to have that sort of Beth Phoenix tribute type of thing. So could be. I like that. It'd be an interesting piece as well. I think, yeah, if, if, if Papa H and Beth is up to it, I think it'd be really, really fun to have Beth in there. And then sort of the wild cardist of the wild card that it will not be. And I think it there could be elements that could be tiny bit detrimental to it. Charlito Flair herself. Because we had those, if you recall, right? Maybe a month and a half ago, two months, random Charlotte Flair promos. You know, boasting how great she was and kind of these things. I think aired for like maybe two or three weeks and then just stopped. So very, very interesting. Uh, you know, you mentioned before you were uh, noticed recently that Charlotte's been looking in phenomenal shape and sharing pictures on social medias and things like that. So depending on could be an interesting pop if they decide to leave it to the pay-per-view. But my concern would be that she could overshadow the baby face team a little bit would be my concern. But I think Candace is most likely the pick. I would like to see a Tegan would be phenomenal. Beth Phoenix would be awesome. Charlotte is just a name in there, but I don't think it's going to be her. Yeah, I think the, the, the Charlotte pick is like so far out there on the field that uh, we've forgotten about her because, I like, like I said, it has to be someone who can't overshadow Bianca. Um, I, I do think that she is the big the the bigger star and we have to kind of draw attention to her versus Bailey rather than everybody surrounding um which is which is kind of what i believe that this whole thing is supposed to culminate in as the two leaders of these two sides 
with the Beth Phoenix, I never thought of that. I would like to see that. But to my earlier point, I don't want anyone taking on Rhea that's not uh, Mia Yim. Uh, or rather, I don't want anyone combating Rhea. I think that their story is just beginning. I think that Beth is obvious uh, salve to the Rhea, uh, the Rhea problem. But uh, unfortunately, she wouldn't be around long enough to uh, to partake in that storyline. Uh, but that's that. I just completely forgot about the Rhea hairdo. And yeah, that'd be a super cool thing to see. All right. So if you're watching this day one, hopefully you can take some guesses. If you're watching this post-Raw, we most likely would get the announcement. But let us know what your thoughts are on the Women's War Games matchup. All right, switching gears to the men's war games match, we see the bloodline: Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa, Sami Zayn, and the Usos, Jay and Jimmy Uso, facing off against the brawling brutes, Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch, Drew McIntyre, and Kevin Owens. And then we notice the Kevin Owens making his grand return. At this past week's episode of SmackDown, just coming in and running rough shot and getting a stunner on the head of the table, but they're setting up the match very, very nicely. So, very, very cool. I like the collective of these folks. I mentioned it off camera, but we have some parody where we have one War Games matchup, which is representing Raw for the women's, and then we have one. War Games matchup representing SmackDown for the men. So I do like the parody piece right here. But in terms of the men's matchup, I really, really like the competitors here. I think they're paired off well. I think all the guys involved are going to be just phenomenal and kind of just really hit it out of the park and should be a very, very intense matchup. So for starters here... Thoughts on the matchup and the groupings, Joker? I'm super excited to see Kevin Owens back. Um, just just him. Like I'm literally, I was super out. Whenever we kind of were talking about it before, uh, we were made aware, obviously, at the start of the week, uh, that Kevin Owens had suffered an injury coming off a house show where he came down wrong, hobbled to the back. And uh, there was news coming out this week that he was in the performance center, not moving well. Now, that is early of the week, you know, early start of the week sort of news, him in the, the PC doing these sorts of things. And it could have been sort of told to the news sites that uh, he wasn't moving well. So as to kind of cool off maybe rumors and stuff, it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility. Um, it's something I personally would do uh, if I was in their position. I'd say, you know, yeah, 100%. He broke his leg. There was literally bone everywhere. He's never walking again and then have him come out and just be like, yo, bro, by the way, I was lying, you know? Uh, <laughs> ah, so we see I, uh, stooging off the dirt sheets, I see, huh? I, that, that is, that is how, I, how I want to believe this went uh, because it would just make my inner uh, chaos demon so happy um you know just just because the dirt sheets don't have all the answers uh or i'd like to think they don't um but yeah seeing kevin come down here hearing his music pop i was just like yes he's okay 
Um, I was still hoping for, I was hoping beyond hope that uh, the rumor that we were talking about yesterday off, off screen was was true. But, you know, it was just a pipe dream. It was fine. I was okay to let that one go. Um, we'll talk about that one a little bit. But these 10 guys were sort of who you had mentioned that this is this is seemingly the the logical route of who needs to be in this match. We knew it was obviously going to be the bloodline um, with Sami Uso on there on one side. Uh, their most recent thing with the brawling brutes with uh, Butch and Ridge uh, and Shamo was the most recent thing we had said is going to be Drew McIntyre. And then the last one, well, it was kind of up in the air who it was going to be, but settles obviously on Kevin Owens. Um, a lot of big names in this match. Like, and then you have, you know, Solo, Sokoa, Ridge, Holland, and Butch. Like, I'm not taking away from those three guys, but when you have Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Kevin Owens, The Usos, Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns in your match. Like, ooh, for modern day WWE, these are the biggest names in the company. You have a lot of heavy hitters. Roman Solo's a big guy, and you know if you if you see him outside the uh, the bloodline themselves, not standing as long, he's still a big guy, although not fully battle tested on the main roster. To your point. But Roman, the Usos, Shamo, Drew, Kevin, these are some of their bigger stars that they feature quite often all in one match. And this is just hot dang. We talk about a little bit of our homage to a big beefy boys slap and meat. This is just going to be a crazy heavy hitting matchup. I have interesting to note here as I look up the competitors, this if I'm not mistaken, will be the first time that all five members of the Bloodline would be competing in a matchup in this configuration for the first time. Because we've seen combinations, obviously, of Roman uh, fighting solo and on house shows being paired up in six-man tags with the Usos. We've seen combinations of Solo, Sammy, and the Usos in different iterations before. But yeah, the first time we've seen these five guys as a unit, as a team as a cohesive piece just coming together and, and taking on opponents, which would be really, really interesting to watch and kind of see how it plays out. You say cohesive. Um, however, this past Friday night on SmackDown, Sami Uso lost his World Cup match. And Roman came to the ring and had a little bit of a disapproving look whenever he looked at Sammy lying in that corner. So cohesive could be a word used, would not personally be the one that I'm choosing to use right now, because I think uh, Roman's a little bit annoyed with his honorary Uso right now. Interesting. I did notice that stare. I did notice these things. We've been following along with the Sammy Zayn and Jey Uso slash Bloodline story so far. Could the bottom be falling out for Sammy? Could this lead to the eventual split? Could it lead to more dissension? Could this lead to a more bonding element? 
could be. We can kind of see how the story plays out within the batch. But I am kind of curious as to see which direction Papa H takes this one because it's been a hot storyline. The notion of Kevin Owens being included in here, we saw the last time we actually saw him was the backstage segment where we saw Kevin walk in the hallway and came across Sammy and mentioned his shirt and kind of kind of warning and trying to still bring clarity to his friend, his enemy, his frenemy, his longtime rival. But it's one of those where the notion of since the storyline of Sammy and J slash the bloodline was taken off so much, they wanted to hold off on Kevin being there and then coming back to then have the Kevin eventually aligning with Sammy and kind of helping him and then confront. So that's why the, or the rumors of Kevin kind of being off because the, because the Sammy Zayn story line took off so much, but maybe this could be the beginnings of that piece to rekindle that. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so I mean, with the sort of comparison that I used in the previous uh, Wargames match with the women, everybody pairing off, uh, I have got a wee bit, it's got a wee bit muddier with the men's because you have uh, Butch and Ridge against the Usos. That's two tag teams. They recently had a little bit of a back and forth and whatnot. My comparison for uh, for... Uh, Solo would be the fact that he cost Drew McIntyre his recent uh, title shot at Clash the Castle. That is who I would want to see Drew kind of throw his uh, claymore uh, at, and that is what I would want to see. And then you have uh, Roman, who seems to be sort of staring down, staring off with Sheamus. Obviously, it was his lackeys that uh, put him out of action. Uh, while he went off and got married, which was referenced on SmackDown as well. It's like, even though we've been fighting, we've got this mutual respect fella, and you know, I even asked him to be my best man at my wedding. It's like, they've been good pals for a long time. They came up in this business together. Obviously, this is played up to the camera friendly rivalry sort of thing. I love Drew McIntyre. I love Sheamus. They're absolutely amazing. Um, so we're seeing that, that whole comparison, which does leave Sammy versus Kevin. Are we going to see Sammy versus Kevin is the main thing. Like where I said before, I want Mia Yim to, to have those moments with Rhea. Is Sammy going to run away from Kevin? Is he going to hide behind the big dog, the head of the table, the needle mover, the salt passer, the chair mover? You know, all these, all these guys in this ring, I don't think Sammy is going to be going after any of them until they've been weakened by Solo or the Usos. I can see a couple different stories kind of play out in my mind. Sammy trying to take a bullet, or take a shot for a Roman or a Solo or a Jay or a Jimmy type of thing. I can definitely kind of see that to kind of continue with the good graces and kind of prove his loyalty, things of such. I can definitely see it sort of play or a spot or an element like that. I can also see a face-off between Kevin and Sammy, where they they have a long story rivalry, again, going back all the way through WWE NXT and on independent circuits and Ring of Honor. You can look up their history. But there's a face-off, and 
they try to reason with one another and they still they're still friends but they're they're enemies too they're on different sides of this of this war this war games war okay but i can see him being conflicted they'll fight and then these kind of different things where they eventually when the match ends and they're staring at each other and kind of Kevin can kind of come to the aid of Sammy once the eventual betrayal comes and then the bottom drops out type of thing. So kind of leaving that story open. So honestly, I like I can I can actually see both of those pieces happening in the matchup. So which I wouldn't be mad at if we got one or the other or both because we fan because mm-hmm. you're just adding layers. And again, it's just these yeah. little these little elements that just help make a story better. So I'm okay with it. I like the pairings, like you said, Ridge and Butch for the for the Usos. It makes kind of sense for Drew and and Solo to pair off. Obviously, Kevin and Sammy, and then yeah, Sh- Big Shamo and and Roman kind of thing. Yeah, kind of kind of makes sense if we have that inevitable five guys looking at each other, five guys looking at it, and they have that that hockey fight thing for the for the five seconds kind of photo still little video package kind of moment thing. So I'm good. I'm definitely liking it where we're going with this. Yeah. You de- you mentioned something there that kind of got my brain uh tingling for the continuation of the Sammy J storyline of the taking bullets for people. Where I can see Sammy taking a bullet for Roman 100%. Takes a claymore, uh takes a brogue, whatever it needs to be. Then yes, he'll he'll take something for Solo. Then yes, he'll take something for Jimmy. And then he'll be targeted specifically, but Jay will be behind him and Sammy will move out of the way and Jay will get hit by it. And Jay will blame Sammy for him getting hit and possibly costing him the match. I'm not saying that's how the match ends, but I'm saying that that particular sort of interaction might happen because I don't see him taking anything for Jay. And I think it would be more interesting if Sammy takes something for the other three, dodges from him getting, say, a brogue, or, you know, a, a big boot, whatever it is, um, and then Jimmy, or not Jimmy, Jay being the one to take it in his place accidentally. So that would be really, really fun. And thank you for pointing out that he, t- t- he took bullets for people because that put that on my head that maybe we'll see some sort of dissension there. And I'm, I'm actually now going, yes! Evil, evil jokers like book it, book it now. For our audio listeners, we had PT tapping the temple and really thinking of the cerebral piece that Joker just did right there. I really, really like that. Oh, he either he can pull a thing where he's just like super tired and sort of slumps out of the way, and then Jay gets hit, or or he just ends up kind of like, oh, I'm just going to get out of Dodge, and then it happens to hit Jay, who's behind him. I really like that. So you can kind of play off either both angles, sort of accidentally, purposely, or just like, act. you know, he was just sort of exhausted and played off. So both are or also elements. Or you could just push Jay into the way of something. <laughs> like, you know, too. he could just be a complete heel and push Jay into the way, saving Roman, for example. Mm. Like, he can push Jay into the path of an incoming brogue, whatever it is. And then, you know, it's like, why the hell did you do that? You know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, and then Roman comes out and spears whoever it was, you know, and then they get the win. It's like, oh, I did it for the bloodline. You know? and, and Roman goes, I saw that. That was really good, you know. Bigger brain. Just, just hire me, Paul. Just hire me, okay? 
Mr. Levesque and Mr. Khan, we are available as creative consultants <laughs> if need be. I'll just stick to my fantasy armchair book and it's fine. <laughs> but I'm in agreement. This is just going to be a hoss battle and this is going to be fun. And much like the ladies match up the women's match, this is just going to be another kind of fun one to watch. There are rumblings again that we are going to see a little bit more of an elevated, not quite spot fest, but more kind of intensity in these matchups, especially these, these two here. Because the nature of the war games you have from obviously NXT and some stuff from WCW and JCP, JCP, Jimmy Rockets promotion, but they want to have spots and things where they can have video packages and kind of pull from this. So, because a number of the folks from the NXT matches are no longer there, so you may not want to feature them as well. So we may see end up a lot of kind of interesting and kind of fun and intense shots and, and stills and things for the promo packages. So I'm for it, which I'm all good for. We will see the one, if not both of the Usos come off the top of the cage. Um, if it's not one of those two, it's going to be Kevin Owens. I don't want it to be Kevin Owens because I don't want him to get even more hurt than he possibly already is possibly see ridge or butch do it i don't think they're much high flyers so that's why i'm erring on the other three um we'll definitely see some you know big jumps over the over the middle of the between the two rings uh yeah we'll, we'll definitely have some big spots in here it's a good call about you know changing the video packages up because let's face it most of their matches contain people who are currently working for another company <laughs> So, yeah, good call. Fair enough. So those were our notions on War Games and the women's match as well as the men's match. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube where your thoughts are there. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what you think of War Games coming to Survivor Series. War Games! All right, and in addition... This, we have a little announcement here. This coming Wednesday, November 23rd, before the Survivor Series War Games pay-per-view, we will have another live stream where we do some predictions and we have some simulations in WWE 2K22. Now, for those folks that joined us last week for the predictions slash sim for the full gear pay-per-view, I know we had a little bit of technical difficulties with 2K because it's been long-standing. Okay. WWE 2K games are not the most stable. However, ya boy, PT, has got it squared away, so we will be featuring predictions and match simulations. So if you are interested in the additional content, feel free to join us this coming Wednesday, November 23rd. That'll be at 9 p.m. GMT for the UK, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. And once again, this will be this coming Wednesday, November 23rd, 9 p.m. GMT for the UK, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. We hope to see you there. All right. And once again, this would be normally where we would have the quick hit section 
for our show, but much like last week, we had a couple contenders for little segments and pieces that we really enjoyed or sort of popped the boys, but nothing that we wanted to explicitly highlight. So this is a indeed rarity for us where we don't have some quick hits. Normally there would be one or two, or sometimes we have three and multiple ones, but for me, one of the pieces was the L.A. Knight and Bray segment. Specifically, it was the piece where L.A. Knight comes out and he is talking to him and they're talking about apologies and getting even and he just comes and quick slaps Bray and runs away. I legitimately laughed out loud for that. And that was the piece that I was thinking about highlighting, but it was one of those where I enjoyed it, but didn't kind of garner the the quick enthusiasm that I want in a quick hit. So, you know, we talked about it before. The quick hit segment is is for us to genuinely and and with integrity and kind of honestly share what we really enjoyed. And we don't want to fake it to make it. Sure, I could have came up with something to be, you know, for the content, do for the content, brother. But it's about being honest and, and kind of thing, and I didn't want to be disingenuous, so I didn't have a quick hit from this week. Look, bud, our our pretty pieces are good enough content for the fine YouTube watchers at home, okay? These bald heads. Like, what's not to love about this content right here? The beards, the bald heads, the beanie wearings, the sultry signs of PT's voice. That is the content. But yeah, 100%. Much like a Bianca Belair contender, nothing made it past that which cannot be defeated and that is joker stone cold heart i just did not think anything was good enough this week uh to pop this old man um there was there was some contenders but uh, unlike pt it was just just wasn't enough to mention you know they're, they're not good enough to even mention in my opinion so hopefully we'll see something at full gear Hopefully I'll see something at uh, at uh, next week's Wrestling Raw, Dynamite, Rampage, NXT. I won't be watching NXT. SmackDown, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, we'll, we'll see something, hopefully. Fingers crossed. But if you are interested, definitely check out. We've highlighted a number of them for the quick hits have been formulated into shorts that are available on the YouTube channel. We have a playlist curated so that's easy to watch in one spot if you feel so inclined but with that if you have a quick hit from this week or something that you really enjoyed or the pop the boys segment from this past week in world of wrestling let us know down in the comments section below or hit us up on twitter and instagram and let us know what you thought what was your quick hit from this week in professional wrestling And with that, wraps it up for us. That was good for me, Joker. How was that for you, brother? Oh, it was good stuff, dude. Good stuff. It was definitely a highlight of the week. Yeah, it was definitely another good amount of shows. We have some nice build toward the upcoming pay-per-view. Excited to kind of see how these stories play out. So I was definitely digging it, man, for sure. Yeah, there's uh there's still an awful lot to see what can uh, what can happen in these two big matches. I don't know how they're going to play it, but uh I definitely am looking forward to both of those matches in particular. I need need, need to get past AW full gear as we're recording it tonight. Uh so I mean this 
two weeks of 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 content for wrestling is just fantastic yeah and we are recording it just before full gear goes live so if you're watching it on day one or listening to it on day one the pay-per-view already happened so we got nice back-to-back weekends where we have strong wrestling pay-per-views and then like we mentioned before a little bit of a dry spell in december until we get kind of into the royal rumble and then into february with another aw pay-per-view and then obviously into the road to wrestlemania so not a bad way to kind of end your year with a back-to-back weeks of strong pay-per-views and then hopefully hold us over into the new year yeah i mean it's definitely got to hold us off until royal rumble like that's Two months of no pay-per-views. What am I going to do, PT? What am I going to do? We're going to enjoy and give out about the world of professional wrestling. Very, very true. Very, very, very true. All right. So for TF Joker. Thank you very much for coming to my TED Talk about why Bianca is the new John Cena. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time. Letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other. And we will catch you next time. Peace.